Hi, I'm Bruce Bartow, the chaplain here at Kim Ray, and we are doing a series that I have called Foundations, and today we're going to look at another uh, lesson in that series, so let's jump in. Okay, by way of intro this week, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been talking about. You know, last week, or last couple of weeks, we talked about the fact that we are a a new creature in Christ, and we've become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We've got a new family. Um, we've been, as a result of the new family, we are now receiving a new nurture. Someone is training us, uh, and that's our Heavenly Father. In this new family, we have this new union, and we talked about the Holy Spirit. You know, in John 17, it says, Father, I ask that they would be one even as we are one. And that's, a, that's an incredible joining of beings. It was illustrated a lot of different ways in Scripture, like the husband and wife relationship and so forth. So uh, that new union, which helps us battle the flesh, which is our old way of living, and walk by the Spirit. And in order to do that, through this new union, the new family, the new nature we've been given, we have this set of new resources that we talked about last time. All right, one of the last new uh, that we're going to talk about is a new training. In um, this new family, this new nurture, this new relationship, uh, we're being trained. And trained to do what? You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, we looked at it, it trains us to um, share His holiness. And that training uh, may not be joyful, but sorrowful, but it yields fruit, the fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it, it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Well, in order to reach this new, a new potential that we have through our new birth, uh, in order to utilize these new resources, let's look at a passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 8. Some of it would be very familiar to you. It's a very commonly quoted verse. Um, you even hear people who don't know the Bible and don't know Christ quote part of this, this verse. It talks about being uh, things all things working out together for good. So let's read that, Romans 8, 28 through 30. It says this, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and these whom he justified, he also glorified. So what we're going to do today in this session is take this passage of Scripture in Romans 8 apart a little bit and look at those big words. They're not just filler, they're not just segues to another important fact. Each one of them holds a significant meaning for us that will really help us understand who God is as our Father, what He's doing, and why He's doing what He's doing. You know, why is He doing this, doing life this way and not that way? Why is He uh, not giving me this thing I asked for? He's giving me something very different, and so forth. Well, it says He caused all things to work together for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. At the very beginning of this whole series on foundations, we talked about God having a purpose for man and that purpose is that we be made in His image and conformed to His image, uh, made in His likeness. He said, let us make man our image and according to our likeness. 
So that's his overall goal, and he's never diverted from that. So his stated purpose for us there in Genesis 26, uh, one, chapter 1, verse 26, is also picked up again on several places, even in this passage today. We're being conformed to the image of his son, and that's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. In uh, Ephesians 2.10, it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God has prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. All right, so he's continuing this purpose that we would be something that he had in mind when he said, let us make man. And he's continuing that purpose and he's fulfilling it in Christ. And we who are in Christ are still on track for God to finish what he started. You know, one word, that was the word purpose. So we have a purpose and God is fulfilling that purpose in us. Because it says, those whom he foreknew, he also did some things for. Well, what is foreknowledge? Uh, that's just knowing something ahead of time. And because his wisdom and his understanding of us and the universe and things that we have no, we don't even know exist that he understands, uh, his knowledge of what's going to happen in the future is without flaw. So he knows what's coming. Uh, he knows the end from the beginning. Let me read a passage of Scripture to you. I think that just sums that up for us really well. In Isaiah chapter 46, 9 through 10, it says, Remember the former things long past. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. So long before he began, he knew what was going to happen. And along the way, he's been declaring things very early on in creation and even in the Garden of Eden when he said he was going to send a son through Eve that would crush the serpent's head. He's been declaring the end from the very beginning because he is God and there's no one like him. He's the only one who has that perfect viewpoint of all things, past, present, and future, from eternity past to eternity future. And what is he doing? Well, he's doing what he's purposed to do, and it's a good pleasure to him. He enjoys what he's doing. Now, primarily, I believe that the most important thing of all creation is us, as human beings. According to what I can read in the scripture, the only thing that's going to last forever is God and his word, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what they've said, what they're doing, and, what, and us. You know, we are eternal beings having a physical experience, not a physical being having some sort of a spiritual experience. And so he's going to finish what he started in us. You know, one passage says, he that began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So if he has started forming Christ in you through new birth, which gives you a new nature, he's going to finish what he started by giving you through a new nurture the character and um, faithfulness that he possesses. Now, it's going to take us, who knows, maybe forever to reach that goal. But the, the fortunate thing is it says we are his workmanship. We're not bringing ourselves to that point of maturity he is bringing us to that point of maturity. It even says that being born again 
We were not born of the will of flesh or the will of man, but by the will of God. So it's God who brought us into his family through new birth. It's God who made us and not we ourselves, the psalmist said. All right, so he has an eternal viewpoint. You know, because he has foreknowledge, he has this eternal viewpoint. Uh, it's always now. When you read the book of Revelation, he's talking about things that haven't even happened yet in our day and time. As if it's right now. He sees it happening right now. You know, the beast here and the, the horsemen there and the, the, the nations rising up and all these different things. He was given that revelation to John on the Isle of Patmos. And most of it hasn't even happened yet, even today. But it is happening when it's supposed to happen. Just like Jesus was born at the right time, uh, born of a virgin and came to earth to save us. Um, all these things that he's foretelling because of his infinite knowledge of the future will come to pass at their appointed time. Another word we see in this passage, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now that, that word kind of freaks some people out, predestined. And so he's predetermined everything that's going to happen. Well, he's very specific in this passage about what he predestined. Because if you go on and read, it says, those whom he foreknew, he also did predestine that they be conformed to the image of his son. So what he has predetermined is the outcome of new birth. And he knows who's going to be saved. He's not predetermining, I don't believe, who's going to be saved, but he knows who's going to be saved, and he's predetermined what he's going to accomplish in the life, life of each one of his children. All right, so he is predetermined, he is determined before it ever began. He has determined that he is going to reach the desired outcome. He's going to finish what he started. And what is that outcome? Well, it's very specific. He's predestined that they be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, so that's what he started out with in Genesis 1.26. He's still on task, and he's headed that way. So don't let the word predestined, predestined throw you. He's, pre, he's predetermined that certain things are going to happen, that he's going to accomplish certain things, and making us to be like him, that he might, that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren, is what he's doing. Uh, conformed, what does that mean? Well, um, in Romans 12, it says, don't be conformed to this world. And the word conformed is really a word that indicates being pressed into a mold. Like if you have a mold and you squeeze some clay or other material, plastic or whatever, into that mold, and it comes out looking a certain way. Maybe it was a mold of a bird or whatever. And uh, the mold determines what it looks like. Well, he says, don't let the world squeeze you into, this mold, into its mold. Romans 12, 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what he's doing is, if you will, he's squeezing us into his mold. Uh, he is the one we're being conformed to, not the world and its system. He's still on task with that. And, um, you know, it's really interesting. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the old saying, like father, like son, it's absolutely true when it comes to Christ. Well, if you are a child of God, that's also going to be true. Not only through new birth, which gave us a new nature, but through this new nurture, this new training, this new family that we're a part of, we're being conformed in the way we think and feel and choose to live our lives. Remember, we talked about that a couple weeks back, about 
you know, if you want to change your behaviors, you have to change what you believe, because what you believe determines how you think, and how you think determines how you feel, and generally we choose to do what we feel strongly about, and that results in our behavior. So if you want to change your behavior, you have to change your beliefs. Trade something in that's not true for something that is true, and you'll be set free, is what Jesus told us. In Hebrews 12, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says this, In these last days, uh, God has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom He also, through whom he also made the world. And He, Jesus, is the radiance of His glory, the exact representation of His nature, and upholds all things by the word of His power. And when He had made purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. All right, so we're being informed of the image of Christ, and He is exactly God. You can't, there's no difference between Jesus and God. And so if you're being conformed to the image of Christ, you're being conformed to the image of God, again, which is our reason for our existence. That's the reason God started on us to begin with. And that's why it said in that one passage we looked at a moment ago that His will, His purpose will be established and He will accomplish all of His good pleasure. And that's what pleases Him, to bring many sons and daughters to glory. Okay, among many, that's another phrase in the passage we looked at today, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Well, the Bible talks about having a wedding feast of the Lamb and filling that table full of guests. Uh, he's bringing us into His family through new birth and by adoption. We'll talk about that some more in the future. Why do we need to be adopted into His family if we've been born into His family? And again, we'll talk about that in the future. All right, so, but one of the things that's true about being a child of God is you're an heir of God. And it says specifically we're a joint heir with Jesus Christ, which means whatever He receives, we receive. And Jesus said, everything the Father has, He has given to me. All right, so if you're a joint heir with Christ and He gave everything to Jesus, that means He gave everything to you. But as we grow and learn, He's going to help us understand what we've received uh, as being a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And how, how do we function in this new capacity? How do we utilize the tremendous gifts and resources that we have received as an heir? You know, it's interesting, um, the Bible talks about as long as the benefactor is alive, the, the last will and testament is not executed. Well, Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. So the death of the one who made the promise has taken place. And so we, the heirs of the promise, have now received that benefit. It's not going to happen someday. It's already been distributed. How? Through the indwelling Holy Spirit. We'll talk about Him a lot as time goes on. Another thing it says, uh, that we were called. You know, He, he, he foreknew us. He predestined us to be conformed to His image, that He would be the firstborn among many brethren, and He predestined us and called us. What does that mean to be called? Well, He called us for a purpose. You know, if I, have you ever, well, let me give you an example. When I was uh, a building contractor, people would call me 
and they would want me to fix their roof, build them a room addition, maybe build a new house, a new cabinet. Uh, did all kinds of construction for people over the years. Remodeling, repair, room additions, redecorating, and all that stuff. Well, they called me for that purpose. And we were called by God according to the purpose He had, on us, had for us. Now again, it's based on foreknowledge. So He knew this. And he knew that once we were in the condition we needed to be through new birth and forgiveness of sins and made righteous by faith, then he would call us into something. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says, We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we would walk in them. So we've been called into something. And it's to express his nature through the things we do and how we live and how we speak to one another and love one another. Because ultimately, we're here to love as he loves. So the choice for you and me from God's side of the equation was based on the criterion that he set. Again, when, when you choose a contractor, you're looking at do they know how to do what I want them to do? Are they capable? Do they have whatever it takes? And so, and they have a, a specific plan in mind, what they want the house to look like or whatever. Okay, and they choose a contractor believing that he can do that. Okay, well, God chose us believing that he could do in us what he ultimately created us to do, which was live his life in a way that reflects who he is and displays who he is. And how does that happen? It's by faith. The criterion to be brought into God's family and see accomplished through us what God had in mind when he created us was not based on abilities that we had sort of inherently. That, that we, God was deficient and he needed us to fill in a gap. God didn't need anything. But he looked at us and he said, I will choose you on the basis of one thing alone. And that was faith. All down through history, starting with Adam and Eve and on down, uh, certain people were, were, are highlighted for us in the scripture. That's not the exhaustive list by any means, but people like Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam. He walked with God and he was not for God took him. He had this testimony that he was pleasing to God. And the only way he can please God is by faith. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. And so on down through time, faith was the only criterion God looked for in human beings. And what is faith? It's simply trust. Trust me. That's what they didn't do in the Garden of Eden when they didn't trust God, when he instructed them about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the antithesis of what the world demands from us, which is figure it out for yourself and make your own path, is is to trust God and let him figure it out for us, because he's already got it figured out, and trust him and walk with him by faith. That's how you come into God's family, and that's how you walk with him. You know, one passage of Scripture says, as therefore you receive Christ, so walk with him. You receive him by faith, you walk with him by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. All right, so the criterion has been set. For our side of the equation, it's faith. For his side of the equation is what he is doing, and he will not fail to finish what he started. Another word, it says, those whom he called, he also justified. And this is, this is a giant word in the Bible. But it means literally to be rendered in, innocent, 
that something makes you innocent, if you have been justified, you're right with God. Uh, Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So what he was looking for in us was faith, that trust. And because we put our trust in him, what Jesus did for us, dying, being buried, resurrected, and all of that, we are rendered innocent. We stand before God as Jesus because he stood before God as us. He took our sin, gave us his righteousness. This is his work. It's not on the basis of something we did. You know, um, what does it say? Uh, he saved us in, in uh, Titus 3, 5. Not on the basis of deeds done by us in righteousness, but in virtue of his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So this is his work and not, not ours. But we receive the benefit of it to be saved and born again by faith, and we can receive the benefit of our new resources as we walk with him by faith, living out life as God intended us to. And the last word we're going to look at today in that passage, those whom he called, he justified, those whom he justified, he also glorified. What does it mean to be glorified? Well, here's a surprise. Glory turns out to be a gift also and not a wage. It's not something we earned. It's not something that we did that finally everybody looks at, oh, that was great. No, in John 17, 22, Jesus said this, Father, the glory you have given me, I have given to them that. There's a purpose why he gave us his glory. That they may be one even as we are one. Now that is an amazing reality because we could never have had oneness with God. We could never have been united with him if we were not given the same level of glory that he has. Because the glorious one is not going to be joined to an unglorious one. So he gave himself to us. He gave us his glory that elevated us, if you will, to an acceptable status before God so that he could join himself to us in that moment and for all eternity. So we were made glorious in order that we might be in union with the glorious one. Well, next time we're going to talk about um, some things to build on this foundational series that we've just gone through. What we're going to do is we're going to work our way through the book of Ephesians and see how Paul is explaining these glorious and magnificent truths about our new birth, our new nature, our new family, our new nurture, uh, this new resources we have, and how he's explaining this to the book of people in, in Ephesians in, the, in this letter he wrote we call the book of Ephesians. So we'll begin that next time. So remember, God is doing something and he's conforming us to his image. And he's, he's predetermined he's going to do that. He's going to finish what he started. And he's brought you in. He called you. And he's beginning to bring us to this maturity level that only he can do in us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're not making this up as you go, that you knew all this ahead of time, and that you're going to finish what you started. Thank you that we can relax from the standpoint that we don't have to fret over will we ever be able to make ourselves good enough because being your workmanship, you are making us good enough through new birth, the indwelling Holy Spirit, 
the righteousness we've been given as a result of faith, which is a gift, the gift of glory, the gift of acceptability, and also you're giving us through this relationship with you, knowledge of yourself that will lead us to walk with you more and more in a trusting father-child relationship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.